How are you, Tom? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excellent. It's an honor to have you. Just tell us more about yourself, where you're calling in from, and what do you do? Great. I live in Austin, Texas. Uh, I've lived here for 30 years, so I've seen the city go through a lot of changes because um, it was a small town 30 years ago, and now it's, you know, the greater area is 2.3 million people, so a lot of changes. Uh, I make my living in two worlds. Uh, I work for an executive search firm, uh, which I started doing recently, and then previous to that, for 12 years, I've made my living kind of as a solopreneur, as a professional speaker and master of ceremonies for big corporate events. Oh, nice. So how did, but you obviously with COVID, you don't, you don't do that anymore in generally, right? Or <laughs> Well, I wish I did it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, all the big, all the corporate event type things that I spoke at evaporated. I do a little bit of virtual stuff. I do some MC work for multi-day corporate events, but most of that business sort of went away in March and probably won't be back for about another year. Yeah. And is this something that you do you study for to be a public speaker? Is this some passion? Where is it coming from? I don't know that you get to really study for it, but I, well, I mean, like, is it, see, I guess passion. <laughs> yeah. There, there wasn't like a class in college, no. like professional speaker 101, but yeah. uh, I was in sales and marketing for 25 years or 20 some odd years of my career. And when you're in a sales or a marketing job, you end up going to a lot of conferences and you sit in the audience and you listen to celebrity speakers, sales speakers, motivational speakers, industry speakers. And I can remember sitting in a folding chair, watching some speaker do their thing and thinking, wow, she or he, they have a better job than I do. And so I decided I, I want to do that. So even within the realms of my job, I started giving presentations and speaking and people said I was good at it. And then people started asking me to come to their company on the side and motivate their team. I, I had this sort of niche teaching people as the smartphone came out. How do we stay connected to people in a gadget crazy world? And the message resonated. And so I did it more and more. And then 12 years ago, I just started that was my only job starting 12 years ago. Wow, that's excellent. But that, that is something that you're hoping to get back into. Yeah, I mean, I like, I've gone to work for, uh, doing business development for an executive search firm and I really like it. It takes everything I'm good at when it comes to human relationships and connections and your network and the whole love I have for connecting people with opportunities. Everything about it is what I'm good at. So I probably, even after COVID goes away, I probably will do both. I will continue to build this, this career working for this executive search firm, but I'll always, I'll always speak if I'm asked, you know, to do it. It's, it's lucrative and it's fun and you get to help people. So I won't ever stop. And you can do it virtually still, right? Yeah, like there's not as much work as people think. Uh, mm -hmm. For the most part, I'm finding that, you know, people have a little bit of Zoom fatigue. So, you know, the, the value even at the company or that the association is putting on their meeting, plus the income they're making. A lot of these uh, events where I would speak were money makers for the association. And a lot of them aren't, haven't figured out the sweet spot on how to sell the seats. So they're not making any money so they can't afford to pay what yeah, they paid. No. So there's, a, there's a lot of moving parts. The, the live meetings industry, and this is something people don't know, the live meetings industry when taken as a whole, and that would include meeting planners, speakers, hotels, airlines, uh, caterers, limo drivers, sign makers, everything that goes into live meetings, it's actually a bigger hit on the, the GDP than the automotive business. 
but the automotive business gets tracked and we know it because, you know, there's seven or so big companies and then all their vendors. It's easy to pay attention to for economists. The meetings business is a lot of solopreneurs and a lot of really small businesses. So there, it's not as easy to track, but the meetings business is, you know, sort of evaporated. So it will come back, but it's, it's going to be a long time before it's, you know, strong. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for scrappy entrepreneurs, though, when live meetings come back. That's for sure. And there's no organization that governs it or tracks it either. Yeah, there are. I mean, there's a lot of organizations. There's not one. There's a lot of organizations. There's the association. There's actually an association of associations. There's the National Speakers Organization. There's the hotel organizations. And they have come together like 15 different associations and they have a program called meetings mean business and they share all of their data. So they are trying to track it, but yeah, it's, it's still a lot of little things hodgepodge together. And any, any, any companies that we would know their name that you have done this with like some of the corporation. Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I speak for big brands like, you know, I've okay. spoken for Dell. I've spoken for now. I'm not going to think of any of the big brands, but uh, I speak for big company meetings. And then I also do like large trade associations has probably been in the past 60% of my business. So if you're a plumber, you may or may not attend the national plumbers association. That conference would be like a three day conference held at a hotel every day. They're going to have a speaker in the morning who kind of shares really good content that people can take back and put into action in their company. That's the type of thing that I do or did. So your current, your current, current um, time is spent with this company that you're with. Yeah, I split my time, but I, a lot of time is spent working for this uh, company called Stanton Chase. It's a big exec, international executive search firm. And then my other half of my time is I am doing some virtual speaking. Um, I also have a program that I run with another speaker called the Webinar Talk Show, where we interview industry people uh, a lot from the meetings business, but some others about sort of what's going on in the world of COVID. And we, we run it like a talk show instead of a webinar. And uh, so even though I don't get paid for that, I, it's, it's part of my business. I do it every week. There's a scheduled time for our little TV show. Well, that's cool. And, and for the actual, um, for this company that you mentioned, is there, is it like a recruiting company? I'm not, I'm not understanding what it does. Yeah, exactly. it's, a, it's a retained executive search. So when a company is looking to fill a senior uh, vice president or higher level, uh, and it's a key hire, they need to make sure that they're paying attention to how do we find the right person? Do we need to relocate person? Are we thinking about background and diversity? Uh, what does our pool of candidates look like? Are they going to be a fit culturally, uh, you know, et cetera. There's a lot of moving parts and really big companies. Many of them have internal recruiters, but just midsize and large companies, they're, they're not filling, you know, key hire needs all the time. So they go outside to what's called retained executive search. And it's companies that specialize in, you know, literally going through hundreds of possible candidates and then narrowing it down for the company to six or seven that the company can interview so that they can make that right choice because you don't want to hire the wrong person. If you hire the wrong person into your company, then that can cost you, you know, two or three years worth of productivity, not to mention the money that's involved in trying to get someone up to speed who leaves you. So you want to make sure you make good hires. So there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Because they're executive tools, right? Like you need that because they're just making decisions for the company. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. These are, these are, 
these are, you know, key executive hires, C-level or, or director or vice president. So, yeah. Has it, uh, did COVID affect uh, the business when it comes to finding executives or? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, all businesses, I don't care who you are, you've been affected by COVID in, in some way. Some people have been able to capitalize on it. There's a small amount of people who are having their best year ever in, in, in different industries. But for the most part, a lot of companies aren't hiring right now, even if they have a key hire. Um, well, they are now, but for the last six months, they've, they've held back. So, you know, yeah, the industry was impacted. I sort of joined at that point. Uh, so just now we're starting to see the number of inquiries. Now the time has come. If you've got an opening, you know, you've got to make the right decision. And there's a lot of companies that have people who didn't step up to the crisis and they need to replace them. Hmm. Because my, uh, I have a friend of mine here in Toronto. He's also a recruiter, executive recruiter, and you know they he got uh, they had to they had to lay him off because it was just not enough. There's nothing going on, right? So yep. you know it's unfortunate, but. And and especially depending on what type of recruiting, you know, the people who are doing sort of uh, rank and file recruiting for companies, a lot of companies aren't filling those gaps until they know, you know, where, what the future holds. So, you know, I think, I don't think it matters what industry you're in. I think most companies and most industries have been somewhat effective to catastrophically affected, you know, the, 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 my speaking business, you know, went, you know, 80% down. So for us, like our, what I do on uh, my, one of my businesses is that we mentor people. And then in, in that our, we're seeing the, the best year so far, our sure. clients and stuff, because it's more mindset related. Yes. So it's, it's, it's you know, it's people that, that need that help right now, right? So um, one, of the, one of the things I do is I do a little bit, I don't really advertise it much, but I do a little bit of coaching. Uh, and usually it's people who ask me to do it because it's not really part of my business. I don't go chasing it. That business has actually been up a little bit uh, because people are looking at, I, I have a niche helping lawyers uh, mm-hmm. focus on their business development because I used to be the director of marketing for two big law firms. And so every now and then I'll have, you know, referrals from people saying, you know, I'm on the partner track, but I don't know how to develop my own book of business. And I have a program that I work with them on. I am getting more calls in that arena than I've ever gotten. So while it's not a big piece of my business, I am seeing a little bit of an uptick in the coaching stuff because smart people, smart entrepreneurial, you don't to be an entrepreneur, you don't have to have your own business. You can be entrepreneurial inside a company. Uh, The entrepreneurial people realize that in a, in a problem time like this, in a downturn, is the time to sharpen your saw and get out there and figure out new things. So there, there are some people who are personally just saying, I'll pay for it, my company won't pay for it, I'll pay for it myself. I need to create a new roadmap for myself. Yeah, and then even like online courses and stuff, they've been, you know, like I personally, since this whole COVID happened, like I invested heavily on like training and because I'm a big, big believer in, in you know, paying someone has already been there. Yep. Um, so, so I, just to sharpen up skills and just to learn new things, you know, um, but that business itself has, has skyrocketed, you know, since this happened, like a, online education is quite yep. big. Oh, well, yeah. And I mean, again, I think that in the speaking business, in a lot of businesses, there is going to be room for people to break out right now as the economy eventually will get through this, will eventually turn as things open up. There's going to be some people who started their businesses right now who are going to hit record Excel levels where we're all going to go, where did they come from? 
And it's because they're scrappy, they're learning, they're investing, they're trying, they're not sticking their head in the sand. Uh, I interview a lot of people. I, I have a podcast. Uh, I interview a lot of executives and the, the savvy ones are saying, you know, we've had a rough six months. Now is the time to start planning for the future. It's like, all right, we've, you know, COVID caught us out of left field. It hit people upside the head. The smart people are now retooling and moving forward. Yeah, this is important, especially in this time. Um, I didn't uh, tell us more about the podcast. Like that was just a slip in there. <laughs> so uh, I have a podcast called Making Waves at Sea Level. And I try to interview business leaders who are trying to shake things up inside their company, whether it's a big company or a small company, whether they're the CFO or the CTO or the chief marketing officer, uh, or people who serve those people, people who sell and, and, and provide services you know, to companies to be able to be growth oriented. I'm about to have my 600th episode. I, uh, the, the show used to be called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, uh, and I did it for five years. And then recently I pivoted it uh, towards this whole kind of C-suite growth oriented uh, content. Well, that's good that you have you. We share the similar passion about entrepreneurship. Absolutely, yeah, that's great, and that's good. And is your um, podcast on all the platforms? Is it just on iTunes or? I think it's on most platforms. I mean, there's okay. now so many platforms. I don't know, but it's on the big one. I know, uh, I know it's on Spotify and Apple and Stitcher and iHeart and you know some others. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely check it out. And you provided all your links as well, I believe. I um, probably will add it in the show notes. Sorry. Yeah, pr I probably provided everything and it's all yeah. from my web. I know I provided my website and, and everything is accessible from my website. From your website. Yeah. That's the funny thing, you know, like whenever I, um, when you ask people about like contact information, they it could be simply the website for me myself. When somebody asks me, I put a whole list of, of all these links, but really, if you just, if you just share the website, that's like, has everything in there, it has the social media, it has all the publications, anything that you need, the videos, your podcast, everything's there. So this really not necessary to provide all the links. So website is good. <laughs> and um, so any other plans for the next five years? Like, are you, are you planning anything big? Or are you just waiting for COVID to like most of us? <laughs> Well, I, I have a real focus on, and I, I haven't really launched this, but I have a real focus entrepreneurially on uh, making age 50 to 75 the best years of your life. And I'm over that mark. And when I was 50, I decided to make some serious changes. And so I'm in the process of doing a bunch of research on people who turned 50 and who really sort of upped their game at that point. And uh, for me, I found that Previous in my life, I, I mean, I had a good life, you know, making 50 to 75 the best years of my life didn't mean the, the previous half sucked. But uh, the one thing that I found was is that I had maybe a bad habit or character flaw that I typically only said yes to doing things that I thought I would be somewhat good at. If, if it scared me or it was out of my area of expertise, I tended to find reasons not to do it. And four years ago, I pivoted that and just started trying to say yes to things, especially if they were out of my normal uh, activities. So I, I took up running. I had never run a mile in my life and I now run half marathons and I lost 30 pounds. Oh, wow. um, I'm scared of heights. So one of the first things I did is I jumped off the stratosphere hotel. They have that 108 story outdoor Beautiful. tension jump and I went zip lining. Um, 
I mean, I, I should have the list in front of me because I always start to forget what they are, but I've probably done a dozen things in my personal life and my career that I never would have done before. And I'm starting to get calls from people who are like, hmm, tell me more about this whole idea. So I'm trying to put together some sort of a coaching program or something for people as they go into that next phase. And, and I focused on 50... I say 50 to 75 and people will often say, well, Tom, your dad lived to be 99 years old. What about 75 to hundred? And my answer is I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. That's yeah. a life. That's a lifetime away. I'm, I'm 54 years old. And I always ask people, do you know anybody who at 25 had nothing, but at 45 was rich and successful and had sort of all the trappings that society admires. And they're like, well, of course we all know a lot of people from 25 to 45 who did that. And I'm like, well, you can do that from 55 to 75 and yeah. from 50 to 75. And so I'm focused on both career growth, personal growth. Um, I took up meditation, which is something that I always sort of rolled my eyes at. I had tried it a few times, never could concentrate. And since November of last year, I meditate for 30 minutes every day and it's changed my ability to get things done. It's changed my focus. And the key thing is if COVID had happened in 2019 and my whole business had evaporated and I had to join a new industry to sort of stitch things together and, and show my, my scrappiness, I would probably be in the corner crying. But because last November I took on sort of this new sort of you know, sort of meditation and, and uh, a bunch of other things that go around it, I am much more calm about this downturn and the financial hit and the, you know, sort of the tragedy around it all than I ever would have been at any other stage of my life. And so I'm, I'm documenting all of this because I want to be able to help other people with that, whether it's through some sort of a coaching program or really just through when I speak, if I can add a module in about, you know, how to make whatever stage you're in, you know, better by just That's taking nice. ownership of it. And that 50, uh, 50 to 65 year mark, is that for 50 to 75? You, yeah. But you're starting at 50 to 65. Well, no, I, well, I said 50 to 75. Sorry if I had oh, said 50 to 75. Yeah. So, and, so, so you could do, you could do any block you want. That was just yeah. what I chose. And I started four years ago and at 54, I'm not kidding around. I, I had a good life, but I'm happier now and more content. And I'm learning more about myself uh, and I think I'm a better entrepreneur and a better worker than I probably ever have been at any stage of my life. So that, that 50 to 75, is that for um, a specific, are you going targeting men or men or women? Well, I don't like know yet. Making I don't know yet because I haven't created a product oh. around it. It's just, it was yeah. my own, it was my own personal sort of declaration. I, I call it success through declaration. You just let everybody know that I'm taking on this project and I'm doing it. And then you have accountability because everybody knows. So when I turned 50 and I started running and I lost 30 pounds, everybody was like, wow. And I was like, yeah, I'm making age 50 to 75, the best years of my life. So I started eating differently. Uh, I started doing all kinds of things differently. And as people started noticing, now, four years later, people are asking me, do you do life coaching? Well, I've never done that. I've done business coaching. So I don't know what I have. So I don't know who I'm targeting, but I do know that every year more people turn 50. And for some of them, it's a rough number. Uh, it wasn't a rough number for me. My father lived to be 99. 
he was 52 when I was born and I don't even remember him until he was about 60 and he was super active. You know, I mean, I have some childhood memories, but I got really close with my dad when I was about eight, uh, you know, forward. And, uh, you know, he was super active. He coached my little league teams. We used to, you know, uh, he'd take me to things. We'd go places together. Um, and he was really active, but it was intentional. I mean, I look at him, he was widowed when he was 70 and he could have curled up in a ball and he had a good marriage. But after my mom died, he made a declaration that he thought he was 70. He thought he could live 10 more years. As it turned out, it was 30 more years. And he just decided every day he was going to learn something new. Every day he was going to talk to somebody interesting. And so I'm using some of what he taught me and some other stuff that I'm studying, um, you know, around meditation and Eastern philosophy. And I don't know when you say who you're talking, I don't even know because I don't know what it is. But in the last month, I've had three people ask me, you know, hey, I'm about to turn 50. Someone told me I should call you. And I'm like, maybe there's an entrepreneur, maybe there's a product here. Like I, if you ask me, I see a huge product there. Like I, a huge product because that's the area that's the most needed, especially like I'm just talking about men. Like for, for me, like I find that that's a, a market that could really benefit from that kind of help because really men are, 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 are alone. You know, like I, if you really look at it, like there's no, not a, much attention out there. So it'd be a really, really good opportunity in uh, entrepreneurship realm, but it, it sounds really promising. Well, I've done the last four years, I've done a lot of things and I've tried to record them all so that I can go back and say, oh, here, here was the process that I undertook. Uh, and the other piece of it is, is that uh, I know from just being entrepreneurial, you know, you have to be an observer, you have to look for opportunities. And, you know, so I've been doing a lot of research around that. So, but again, I don't want to just throw out another course. Everybody and their brother, you know, who breathes air now can, put out, can put out a program. I, I want to make sure that it's something that matters and makes a difference or I'm not going to enjoy doing it. So it's like my, my speaking business. I know I make a difference. I've been doing it for 12 years. I, I know that when I do it, the conference is better. I, I call myself the conference catalyst. I know people will engage more. So I get excited to do it. Same thing as I'm learning this new industry that I'm going into. I know that when the right person finds the right job, it's great for them and their family. It's great for the company. It's great for everyone who works with them. So if I can be fired up and excited about it, then I can sell something. So currently I'm just kind of doing the research. Yeah, and you're coming from a good place, right? You mean well and you want to do and you want to help people. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be good and that's a, like a goal. And especially when you're older, as you get older, you should have more goals because really we're, you know, goal-seeking mechanism that we have we have to have something to live for and my dad is like close to 85 84 now he's still working every day right so when you have goal you, you live longer my my grandfather same thing he died at 93 actually but he was he was running his own business at 93 when he died so yep. so that's how you go once you retire i think retirement is the, the the worst thing that was invented i think the beauty comes at that age you know like how can you ask someone to retire when they have, they can do it? Well, and, and a lot of that time between 25 and 50 for a lot of people, not for everybody, but you spend raising kids. And you yeah. know, I, I found that they were the priority. 
And my youngest just went off to college last week. And not that there's still not parenting involved, but it's not somebody in the house. Dinner has to be ready at a certain time. Constantly, you know, if they go out, you're like, they were supposed to be home at 10. Where are they? Oh my gosh, they have an accident. No, they're just being a teenager and they're being, you know, they forgot to call. But uh, that day-to-day focus isn't there. And so, you know, my wife and I are trying to put that focus somewhere else. And, you know, part of it is, like I said, there are going to be people who come out of this COVID having discovered new products and new services. And so that, that's just what I'm trying to do. I mean, I, 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 I feel no one else is going to do it for me. That's the entrepreneurial piece, right? Is that I'm responsible for what's going to happen. And then financially, I took a big hit this year when, when 80 plus percent of your income vanishes with a week's notice. I call uh, March 13th, I call it the day the business died. And I, I had a huge calendar booked for the next six months of oh, events wow. I was going to speak at. And they all canceled within like a three week period. And, you know, they're not coming back. You can't get that event back. You know, maybe next year there'll be a new event that I can speak at, but you know, that income for this year isn't coming. And, uh, you know, so I I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't ready for it. I'm not independently wealthy where I can just write it out. I I have a lot of friends who are like, nah, I'll just write it out. What is it? Two years, three years, max. I don't have that. I don't have that option. So I have to get out there and look for ways to provide value and to do something. And, I have to find new ways to do it. I can't expect anyone else to come and say, Tom, here's what you need to do. I need to be the person who gets out there and says, you know, I've looked at this. I've looked at that. I've thrown some some spaghetti against the wall. This stuck and I'm going to build on that. But I have every intention that we'll look back on on 2020 as an opportunity uh, in my life. Um, It may be a couple of years before I can point to that opportunity, but I'm not going to let COVID beat me. No. I don't think you should let, you know, any beat anyone. Um, and we're always looking for, especially at these times, this is when the new faces come out, the new businesses come out, the new mega companies come out. This is, this, these are the kind of situations that create those. Yes. And, you know, you could be that, I could be that, and all the audience could be, anybody could be that, right? There's a wide open market right now for a lot of things. Um, so you can either look at it as a blessing or you can, you know, well, I, I assume the people who listen to your show based on the, the title of the show, I imagine these are people who are, who are hungry to become entrepreneurs. I mean, I know because my show used to be called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Much of my audience were people who wanted to be entrepreneurs. They wanted to get out of their nine to five. They felt, yes. their, their, they felt their career ladder was against the wrong wall. And I always end my show by saying, you know, climb your career ladder, whatever that is, but make sure it's against the right wall. Because I did that in a sales and marketing career. I was working for, for service companies and I got to the top. I, I was making good money. Uh, Uh, people, I had a good reputation and I got to the high levels and started looking around and I said, this isn't what I wanted to do. And that's why I started the speaking businesses. That's what I wanted to do. That was cooler than working, you know, for a bank or a law firm. However, uh, there are people listening to your show who that's what they want to do, who might feel that right now is, you know, oh, is me, there's, you know, I've been, I've been laid off or I've been furloughed or there's no opportunities. You just said it. It's in the downturns when so many companies are born. There's study after study shows you that, you know, there's always companies founded in recessions or other times of trauma that, you know, break out. And even on the smaller entrepreneur side, there's people who, 
you know, necessity is the mother. They, ha- they have to create something because they don't have any other choices. There's no jobs. And so if they're scrappy and they're hungry and they get out there and they try, um, then they can do it. Now, I always warn people, you don't need to spend a lot of money. There's a lot of people out there saying, oh, you want to start a business? Give me $10,000 and I'll, I'll, you know, you can take my course. You need to read and you need to learn. But with podcasts like yours, like mine, like so many others, you don't need to spend a lot of money. You don't have to hire a coach. You don't have to do these things, but you have to be a sponge and a student who wants to suck up ideas. And I'm a real big believer in inspiration. And where I find inspiration, uh, Shahid, is going to be very different than where you find inspiration. And so I can't tell people this podcast is going to be your inspiration because I don't know that. I can't tell them go read, you know, this book because that may not be their thing. But I seek inspiring things. Every day after I meditate, I listen to a YouTube video. I watch a YouTube video on a topic that inspires me. And when I go out for my, my daily walk or my daily run, you know, I put on a podcast that is going to be something that's going to fit in my bailiwick of what inspires me. And I don't know when or what, but I've seen it throughout my life that when the right thing inspires me, it changes everything. And I move forward and I take action. And that's when the good, the good stuff happens. Yeah, and you explained my, our avatar, basically, you know, that somebody working nine to five, looking for an opportunity, growing as an entrepreneur. And for us, what we train on is, is mindset, because really everything starts from mindset. And you have a good mindset, but I'm seeing like a lot of people, what am I going to do? Is COVID, nothing's going to work, you know what I mean? So, but you find the opportunity, but when you fix the mindset, when you fix the internal, what's going on inside, we have clients that are turning their annual income into monthly income in this time. I'm, I'm like, this is like real stuff. And why it's all coming from inside. All those things, their energy is coming outside. And then this show was meant to kind of give a way for for uh, audience to kind of understand where entrepreneurs, what their struggles were, what they're doing, because it, that aha moment really matters a lot, you know? And, and here's the other point that I want to make clear. I wasn't saying don't hire a coach because you should. I've hired him. I'm, yeah. look, I'm looking for the, the, you know, the right one now. However, you got to find the right one for you. You've got to find yes. that person that says it because you, I could hire a coach and you can hire a coach. And I could say, and I did this two years ago, the biggest flush of money I've ever spent in my career was the coach that I hired because I got nothing. I have an acquaintance who hired the same coach and she said she changed my life. Yes. Awesome. So, you know, the, the trick is, is that you need to find that inspiration, whether it's something you just find online, whether it's a coach you hire, whether it's a course you take, you got to find that inspiration that works for you. And that person you say, yes, yes, yes. Shahid, that's my person. Yeah. Because then you have that symbatico, you have that, that connection with them and they're going to be able to help you change that mindset or show you the path that you didn't see yourself. My biggest problem isn't my mindset. My biggest problem is, I can't see the forest for the trees. I get stuck from the fact that there's a big forest and I don't see that there's a path in front of me that someone else has already cleared. So I usually need some sort of a coach or some sort of an inspiration to say, look, dummy, there's the path. And then I'm like, oh, there's the path. Because once I start down the path, I'll kick ass. Tom, we got to talk after. Like, we got to talk after. I got to tell you so. But anyways, back to that topic about the coach and mentor, I find like when I was going through my struggles when I was younger, 
I wish to God someone came to me and said, you know what, dude, get a mentor, get a coach, find someone that can guide you. And they already did it. They'll get you there faster. I had absolutely no idea that it was even a, a concept back then, you know, and I shelf help and all of that kind of stuff. It helped me because I, I kind of, I, 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 I internalized some of the information. I practiced the exercise that were given to me and I got to where I am today. Right. Like it's, it's it worked, but having a mentor, having a good mentor, have a good coach, they're accountable to you and you're accountable to them. The amount of time that you save and the amount of money that you can earn from that is just mind-boggling, especially what we're seeing nowadays. is just, just because of what's going on with COVID, but I'm saying in general, having a coach, having a mentor is extremely important, especially if you're starting out, especially if you're working in a job and you're trying to get out. Yes. Yeah, well, because somebody has to show you the path of how to get out because it's scary and you don't know and, and all that. And, you know, there's like, I mentor two, two gentlemen, they're both 30 years old. Uh, I've mentored them for several years. They don't pay me. They're just, you know, they came to me through business and said, would you be my mentor? And I, my answer to them That's back nice. then, this is eight years ago. They were both just fresh out of college. I said, I'm not sure what that means, but you're welcome to call me whenever you want. And my joke is eight years later, they still call to the point that my wife invites them for Father's Day. And yeah, I mean, they're, I call them my fake sons because I talk to them so often. Uh, but their careers, they're, they're both in their early 30s and they're outpacing a lot of their peers. And their peers are like, you know, why are you doing so well? And they, they now know each other. They're friends, but they didn't know each other before I introduced them. But uh, their friends will ask them why. And they go, well, because I have this mentor who helps me make, say, if I'm going to go ask for a raise or I'm applying for a job. And they're like, how do you get a mentor? And the answer is you ask. You know, if there's yeah. somebody you admire, ask them, can I call you from time to time? It doesn't mean you're going to be at their house for Father's Day. But, you know, people ask all the time. And I always say the same thing. You're welcome to call. Nobody ever calls. These two guys won't stop calling. That's amazing, though, that you build that kind of relationship. So you're, you know, it's, it's, it's important that if you have that relationship, it means a lot when you're coaching and mentoring because you're, you're, you're able to guide people. You're helping. You're serving. So I, I have one gentleman who is about 50 who I'm helping with in this kind of it's not a program because it doesn't really exist, but he texts me. He's going through a, a big life change and he wants to start over and he's just shy of turning 50. And, you know, every day, you know, he, you know, he pays me. We, 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 you know, we have an agreement of how often he can reach out, but every day that he can, he reaches out with what the problem is. And I don't have the answers, but he's like, he, he thinks he makes better decisions now because he has someone to bounce it off of than he would have if he was just if he was just reacting with the problems at home and and the things he's dealing with in his life change and it keeps him from saying stupid stuff and i said that's why you have a coach or a mentor exactly now we always ask um on the show we always ask about like i want to ask you two questions what would you kind of end the show with kind of any kind of a recommendation or a, a, um, some kind of uh, a point that someone could find some help from any, any day you could help another fellow entrepreneur or entrepreneur spirited, someone that wants to get into that realm. Um, and the next question is um, what, what do you find that is your superpower? What do you feel that it got you to where you are today? 
Sure. Well, the, the first the first thing I'll, I'll answer is based on something my father always used to say. I think it's the best advice I ever got, and I probably didn't embrace it well until the last few years. And that was be slow to anger and fast to forgive. So often something happens, a boss does something, uh, your brother does something. And the first reaction from your knee jerk is you get really, really mad at them. And then you hold the grudge. Well, if you're really, really mad and holding grudges, you can't focus on getting the stuff done that you need to, to be a good entrepreneur. So my dad always said, be slow to anger and fast to forgive. Now that does, he always, he added, that doesn't mean if someone wrongs you that you just of let course. them walk all over you. Mm-hmm. But he, what he told me is 90% of the time in your life, when you get mad at somebody and hold a grudge, they didn't intend to do what they did to upset you or harm you. They, they're just going about their own life. They have their own problem. So if you're slow to anger, it gives you time to assess what was their motivation. And if they did do something, most of the time, is it worth forfeiting the relationship over and, and causing family strife or, or whatever? Usually not. So just let it go. Now, obviously there's, obviously there's situations where it recurs and, you know, you have to, sometimes you do have to eliminate people from your life. I, I, I know that, uh, you know, I have a couple people I've eliminated from my life and I'm better for it, but 90% of the time, just be slow to anger and fast to forgive so that you can put your emotions and your attention into the things that really matter. Cause most of the things that piss us off and cause us to, to not forgive are small. So let those go. Save your, save your anger and your grudges for the really bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, so. and, you know, yeah. And if you internalize that kind of feeling, you're only damaging yourself at the end of the day, right? Because, you know, that turns into um, a feeling and then anxiety at the physical level, right? So you're, you're causing deterioration, disintegration of your own being by, by holding that kind of stuff. You know, you talk to them or you cut them off whatever the case might be. And you got to, you know, that way of kind of giving it five, 10 seconds or one minute, it gives you that opportunity to kind of put yourself in their shoe as to what's going on. Unless it was like you said, something very serious. If they start swearing at you or something, that's. <laughs> you know, and then there, there are evil people out there who are yeah, exactly. intentionally do things to undermine yeah. That's an, enti- that's an entirely different situation. Most of the time, it's really good friends or family members who their intention isn't to harm you. They just are doing something without thinking through all the steps. You know, they're, they're being selfish or short-sighted. And most of the time, when you step back and look at it, you can be like, eh, whatever. And it saves you from that emotional strife. Yes. And for the superpower, I guess it would be the, the same? No, my superpower is I make the world's best twice-baked potato. No way. Yes. Like, are you, ship, are you like, shipping to Toronto or? No, no, no. They have to be fresh. There's no storage of these. These, uh, But but I, I have a mastermind group of three other professional speakers. And for seven years, uh, twice a year, we haven't done it this year because of COVID, but twice a year or every eight, eight or nine months, we rent a house somewhere on our Airbnb and we move in and talk business for three days. And this nice. has been, this has been an awesome thing for my entrepreneurial spirit and career and mindset is just having these people people that have similar jobs to me, but aren't really competitors. And, and we share everything about finances, about marketing, about clients. Um, we've become, we've become like siblings, right? So I have, I have my fake sons and then I have my fake brothers and sisters in this group. Um, 
and, and, you know, and, and I have a good family. I just keep adding people in, I guess. But uh, one of the nights we go for two nights, one of the nights we eat in a nice restaurant, but one of the nights we all take turns and we share and we cook dinner. And I always make twice baked potatoes and uh, they always are like, you know, you couldn't get this in a restaurant. So it, it's my, it's, it's my secret recipe, but it is a true superpower that uh, only people who invite me to their house to cook will ever know. Well, that's great. And you got to cook. That's awesome. <laughs> but, you know, if you're ever in Texas, definitely uh, give you a shout and see if you can do it. <laughs> Love to try it. Um, so that's about it. You know, I want to thank you again for for being on the show and, you know, honoring us on, on, on coming on and, and hope you enjoyed it as well. And um, thank you so much. Happy to do it. This was great. Good luck to you and good luck to everybody who's listening. If, if you want to make that leap, it's scary and it's hard, but you can do it. And if you do it, someday there's going to be something like COVID that knocks it off the wheels. So, so what, you know, put it back up and move forward.